please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verses 25 through 34 is where we will, uh, be, what we will be looking at. It begins on page 811 in your pew Bible and, and goes on uh, to page 812. If you were here last week, we started a new series. Uh, just a few weeks, we're going to be looking at the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is something that, particularly in Matthew, Jesus talks about a lot. Uh, he uses that term, or the kingdom of heaven, quite often. Uh, we even talk about that in our Christian vernacular. We say we want to see the kingdom grow. We want to see God's kingdom come. Well, what are we talking about when we say that? That, I hope, is what we answered last week. We defined our term. Uh, the kingdom of God is wherever we see God's reign and rule, wherever we see his will being done, that's where the kingdom is. So it's a, it's a spiritual and a dynamic thing rather than this physical thing that has boundary markers to it. Our second point last week was how we enter the kingdom of God. We enter through repentance. We repent of our sin, our former way of life. We turn to God in faith, and we begin following him. And then the third point was, well, how do we live in the kingdom? We follow me. As Jesus calls each and every one of us, he says, follow me. So following the king wherever he goes is a part of living in the kingdom. So we're kind of taking point number three from last week and blowing it up a little bit and examining now that we're in the kingdom of God, how do we live? Well, the verse that we'll focus on in this passage you're probably very familiar with. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, what does Jesus really expect from us in that verse? Well, I hope we, that will become clear to us as we move along in this passage. Let me read beginning in verse 25 of chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we ask that you would teach us from your word this morning, that you would make it come alive to our hearts, and that we would trust it, that you would make us very effective members of the kingdom of God, and that we would focus on the kingdom and not on ourselves and even our most basic needs, for you promise that you will take care of them for us. Lord, would you give us faith in that? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> There's a story told of a very nervous airline passenger. He arrived to the airport very early, like you're supposed to, and he's pacing nervously about his flight. He just doesn't feel good about it. He looks outside. There are storms brewing. Some other flights uh, in, in the airport that day had been canceled. And so he's just all worked up with anxiety about his flight. And as he's pacing in the terminal, he walks past... A, an insurance machine. Apparently these things are real. I didn't know that, but I looked it up. There are insurance machines in airports. Anyway, so 
So he passes one of these, and it offers a $100,000 policy in the event that something tragic happens in your flight. And it only cost him $3. Well, you know, for 3 bucks and a $100,000 policy, why not get this? And so he does. So with policy in hand and a bit of peace of mind, he goes to try to find something to eat before he boards his flight. And he lands on a Chinese restaurant. He eats his food, and everything's just fine until he opens his fortune cookie. Your recent investment will pay big dividends. All the peace of mind that he had gained from that insurance policy, of course, now is gone from this little fortune cookie. Maybe you're like this man in this story, or maybe you're just like me. You're a worrier. You worry about everything. You come, become anxious at the very smallest things in your life. And maybe some of it is le- what you would call legitimate worry. You're, you're concerned about your finances. You're concerned about the plans that you have for your life. You worry about everything. You worry about financial decisions, how you might put your kids through school. You worry about your health or a loved one's health. You're constantly worrying and becoming anxious about just about everything. You're a constant ball of anxiety, almost to the point where it incapacitates you. You can't even make a decision. You can't even move forward. I bet there's many in here who identify with this. Why do we do it? Of what benefit is it really to our lives to continually worry? Jesus says in this Specific, in this passage here, don't be anxious about your life. He's not saying uh, your anxiety is kind of a character flaw and you, and you do well to stop it. Or, you know what, why don't you just cut back on that a little bit? He says, don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry. <laughs> Replace that worry with contentment. Replace that wor- worry with, uh, with an assurance that I'm going to care for you. In our worry, we are seeking after something that is not consistent with seeking the kingdom of God. The rub here is, okay, Andy, I get that, but isn't there just some general care and concern that I must take over the situations of my life? And at some point, I suppose, it spills over into this anxiety and worry that Jesus is saying, don't do this anymore. Well, that is the rub of point number one. How do we discern that? How do we understand where care and concern for our life spills over into something, quite frankly, that's sinful? How do we differentiate this? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is going to make us effective members of the kingdom of God. Worrying and anxiety, ineffective members of the kingdom of God. So number one, the rub. I looked up in Webster's Dictionary the definition of anxiety or anxious. It says this, full of mental distress or uneasiness because of fear of danger or misfortune, greatly worried. I read that to say this, I don't believe that within the scope of this passage is anything to do with anxiety disorders, depression, or panic attacks. I don't think that's what this is speaking to. I think it's speaking to the general worry and concern that we experience on a daily basis and in a normative sense of life. I hope that makes sense. Because Jesus mentions common everyday things. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about money, as he says in the previous section. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to put on. I'm going to take care of them. For the Gentile culture, this is what they were constantly worrying about. For the American culture, this is what we're constantly worrying about. <laughs> our money, our things, our material possessions. We're const- they're, I- they're idols for us. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. The, the word that he uses there is a continual seeking. Not just to seek it one time and find it, constantly be seeking the kingdom of God. And uh, by contrast, don't be constantly seeking even, or even concerning yourself with what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. 
Well, what does this mean? Does it mean I can't plan for my future, that I can't set aside money for retirement, that I can't budget, uh, that I can't set aside money for my children's school? What, how far do we go with this? Is it really possible that I can only go through my life thinking of the kingdom of God with no care and concern whatsoever for just the necessities of my life? I believe that Jesus is saying, I'm forbidding you to have an anxious spirit about the things of this world. Not that you're not thinking about them and caring for them and planning for them. Are you anxious about it? Are you fearful about them? Jesus says, no, that's not what you're to be doing. General care and concern is fine, but I think we all know where we spill over into something more. I'm a worrier. I'm a professional worrier, if you will. I worry all the time. It's, it's something that even, it comes upon me and as if, like I can't stop it. it I, I, don't, I don't expect for it. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to be totally gripped with fear and worry today. It happens to me. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's what I do. There are nights when I will stay up to the early hours of the morning worrying. I did it on Tuesday night. I stayed up till almost 3 a.m. worrying about my life. Worrying about what's going to happen next. Worrying about financial decisions that me and Lauren have to make. Nothing any different than what you have to do and perhaps what you have to worry about day to day. But I worried. And my worry snowballed into something, something else. It started as a worry about one issue and then it snowballed to other things that are really silly to even be thinking about. I start worrying about, goodness, in nine years of marriage I've made my wife move four times. She probably resents me for that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep moving all around. I don't, you know what? I'm really not a good father. I, I love Nathan and Miles, but I, there's more I could be doing to love them and to serve them and to care for them. What if Lauren dies before me? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take care of this household as she does so wonderfully? You see, it started one place, and then it goes to silly proportions. Now, if I was sitting in your uh, living room this afternoon, and maybe I was sitting in your office, what would you say to me? Andy brother come on <laughs> really Ch- chill out uh, wh- was there really any benefit to all this this session of worry that you had the other night did you get did anything get accomplished was anything better by that no nothing was i just lost a bunch of sleep what i did late at night and what i do sometimes in my worry and what you do in your worry it's not that it's a bad idea it's sinful because you're denying the sovereignty of god you're denying that he's going to take care of you. You're denying that he's going to provide for you. You're ignoring all the things that he's done for you in the past, how he has loved and provided, and you think, i got to do this right now because he's just not paying any attention to my life. So i got to worry about it, and i got to fear. A lot of times for me, it isn't the fact that I don't think God's going to provide for me because he has such a great track record in my life. He said, I just know he's not going to provide for me in the timing that I want him to. I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to wait longer than I want to. But you know what? I look back over my life and about 99% of the things that I worried about, they never came true. I just wasted my time. Because what are we really saying in our stress and our worry? What are we saying all of it? We're saying, God, I know what's best for my life, including the timing of it, and I need you to get on board. We have our lives planned out. We think we know best, and we're stressed because God is not given us those things, and we're angry with them as a result. Yet how often in Scripture are we admonished to wait on the Lord, and you will be hard-pressed to find a character in Scripture who does not have to wait long periods of time before God provides for them. 
Think of Abraham, think of Jacob, think of Joseph, think of Moses. They all had to wait. The rub for us is that we so badly want our vision for our lives to take shape. And when they don't, we can't handle it, and so we worry. We think that's a regaining of control over things, and it's not at all. It's only an illusion. We really want to know what God knows. We want to be sovereign like he is. We want to affect change in our own lives like he can. We want power and authority. We want to walk by sight and not by faith. But even think of your worry and your stress, how out of proportion it is to the teaching of this scripture. When we're, I'm assuming here, of course, I'm assuming something by this, that none of us are concerned that we may not have a meal at lunch today. I'm assuming that. But even your worry is, man, you know, I really hope I don't have to have another turkey sandwich this afternoon. I'd really like to have the lobster ravioli from Carabas. That's our worry and concern. I'm worrying about my clothing. It's, I really would like to have that blouse from Anthropology or that new suit from Brooks Brothers rather than having to wear whatever it is I have to wear tomorrow. Our worry is almost out of the scope of this passage because it's not a worry about basic needs. It's I'm worried that God will not provide for my abundance and my comfort in life. Not truly for the things I must have. I just can't believe we don't get our second vacation this year. I just knew it would happen for us. We as Americans truly have very little reason to be worrisome and anxious, yet we are all the time. We're fearful. Our anxiety is that he might not provide for an abundance and not for a need. All we must do, Jesus says, look to the world around you. Look Look at the flowers, look at the birds. Look how beautiful they are. Look how taken care of they are. They don't worry about anything, nor should you. How much more do you think I love you than I love them? So the remedy for all this anxiety and worry in our lives, the rub is, where does it spill over? It's an, it's a, it's an anxiousness, it's a fear. We shouldn't have that for our needs. So what's the remedy for that? What's the remedy for the rub? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As a remedy to the anxiety of life, we are to seek the kingdom of God. This, excuse me, this perpetual seeking over and over and over again, all the time. As we discussed last week, the kingdom of God is God's reign and rule, the the obeying of his will in this world, the praying for that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever, wherever we see God being followed, there's the kingdom. So we're called to seek this. We're called to seek it in our families, in our hearts, in our churches, in our communities, constantly praying for this. Seeking things that have eternal value, as Jesus starts to talk about in verse 19, seek heavenly treasures. Don't seek earthly treasures, where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can come in and steal. Seek the things that will endure to the end. And as we're seeking seeking the kingdom and seeking the righteousness, we're seeking the righteousness of the king, what Jesus is saying is, seek me. Seek after me, and you you will be fulfilling this command. Jesus is instructing us to keep our gaze upon him, and then we will be productive members of this kingdom. It's what Peter endures in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus, there's a storm on the Sea of Galilee, as happens very often. Jesus is walking to them on the water, and Peter sees him, and he gets all excited, as he very often does, and he jumps out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. And so long as he has his gaze upon Christ, he's walking firmly as if it is dry ground. Now, is is everything calm around him? Hardly. The wind is still blowing. The waves are still crashing. Everything tumultuous is happening around him, 
But he's fine because he's focused on the king. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Everything else will be taken care of. So the remedy for our worry and anxiety, seek Christ. It doesn't mean that food and clothing and money are now no longer important. It just means they're no longer a source of worry for you. It's as if Jesus is looking at us and saying, okay, clearly you want something to worry about. Now I'll give you something to worry about. Why don't you flip these things around? Why don't you start worrying about something with eternal significance and value? Why don't you worry about the kingdom of God and stop worrying about your life? Stop being anxious about your life. I'm telling you, I'm promising you, I'm going to take care of it. So start worrying about the kingdom of God. Maybe the other night, instead of me staying up late worrying about money and all manner of things, why don't I start worrying about the fact that my father is not saved? Why don't I start worrying about the friends that I know that don't know Christ? Why don't I start worrying about things that truly have lasting value to them rather than all this other stuff that Jesus has already promised to take care of and to provide for? Worry about the kingdom. Don't worry about your life. Jesus ends this section with really a wise life maxim. He says, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, tend to today's business today. Take, just take, take care of today. Tomorrow, there's going to be lots of trouble. He doesn't say everything's going to be fine tomorrow. There'll be plenty of trouble tomorrow, but you can worry about that later. Attend to today's business right now. You can't change the outcome by worry. It doesn't mean that we don't plan or prepare, as I've said. It doesn't mean you need to burn your day planner this afternoon. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that we will be given renewed strength and vigor every day. Do you feel better when you wake up in the morning, just about everything? I do. I open my bedroom door, I walk down the hallway towards the kitchen, and I get the first waft of coffee, and I just know everything's going to be okay. When I smell the coffee, when I take the first few sips, it just everything still may be going bad, but I just feel better in the morning because I have new mercies. Lamentations 3, his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Now, I know the planner in many of you is ready to come out of your seat and maybe throw something at me. Because if it was up to you, you'd plan right now and every day, every moment until you die. <laughs> That's really what you want in life, is to know exactly what's going to happen. But this is about control, and you don't have it, and you can't accept it. Worry and anxiety, as I've said before, gives you the, the feeling of control, but it's really just an illusion. You don't want to trust God, and you don't want to walk by faith, and that's what he's commanding and demanding of us. Jesus is not telling you to stop planning and stop preparing for the future. He's telling you to stop worrying about it. Your worry is denying my sovereignty and denying that I'm good and that I love you. John Calvin says to seek the kingdom is to be more concerned with our soul and with the heavenly life. He's right. We need to start taking more concern with our souls and with the heavenly life and with the kingdom of God than with the kingdoms of ourselves. Then what will be the result? If we do that, if we are seeking the kingdom as Jesus says we ought to, what will be the result of that? The result is, and all these things will be added unto you. Think about Jesus' line of thought, his line of thinking up to this point. He begins this line of thinking in verse 19. He says, lay up treasures in heaven. Where, where moth and rust and nothing on this earth can, can touch them or affect them in any way. 
don't worry about earthly treasures. They're gone. Don't worry about your money. Don't worry about your, you know, all these other things. You can't take them with you. He transitions in verse 25. Since you're not seeking earthly treasures anymore, now don't worry about your life. Think heavenward. Don't concern yourself with yourself so much. And we can be confident of those things because we can look at the birds of the air, okay, and the flowers. They, they're a testimony to us. And then all these things will be added to us. No, Jesus is not preaching a prosperity gospel here. He's not preaching health and wealth, or as Harry Reader says, he's not preaching name it and claim it, confess it and possess it, believe it and receive it, blab it and grab it. He's not saying any of that. Jesus is not promising prosperity and abundance. He's promising to meet your needs. He's not saying, come to me and seek the kingdom and all your hopes and dreams will come true. He's telling you to stop worrying about it. I'll turn you into productive members of the kingdom because right now you're not. And Satan wants nothing more than you to get caught up in all these things that have no eternal value because now you cease to be effective members of the kingdom of God. Over-carefulness of the things of this world are unworthy of us as Christians. This is a very difficult passage for us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, because we spend the majority of our time concerning ourselves with the very things Jesus says, stop worrying about it. First Pres, we have got to stop worrying so much. We've got to. This is a sin that is rampant in our church. I know it is because I know myself and I've talked to many of you. You worry too much. Way too much. It's not a habit that you need, a bad habit you need to break or something, well, you just ought not to focus on it too much. It's wrong and it's telling God, I just don't trust you. I don't believe what you say. It's dangerous, and I know it's dangerous because Jesus speaks directly to this in Matthew chapter 13, a parable that you likely know well, the parable of the sower. Jesus is out spreading seed, and some seed falls on the path, and it gets trampled and eaten by birds. And then if some seed falls on the rocky ground, and there's no root. But then some seed falls on the thorny ground, and initially there's growth, initially. But then what happens? The cares of the world... The deceitfulness of riches quite literally come and choke you. They choke you out to where no fruit can be born. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let the anxieties and stresses of this world literally choke you out because they can. They can. It's not a bad habit. It's something that can remove you from the kingdom of God. It's something that can... I don't think God understands anymore. It can, it can make you an unfruitful Christian and someone who wants nothing to do then with God himself. David Pallison is a Christian counselor, and he wrote in his book, Seeing with New Eyes, I'm quoting now from him, Worry assumes the possibility of control over the uncontrollable. The illusion of control lurks inside your anxiety. You'll see it in yourself and in the people God gives you to help. Anxiety and control are two sides of one coin. We want control over something, and since we can't control it, we worry about it. Jesus' comment gives you one more handle on why you worry. A worrier is storing treasure in the wrong place. If what you most value can be taken away or destroyed, then you set yourself up for anxiety. Is it money? Is it health? Is it a particular friendship? Is it the dream of marriage? Is it success in sports or business? Is it how your children turn out? Or maybe is it security in life? Even when you feel good, when everything's going your way, you're building your house on sand. Your treasure is vulnerable, and whenever what is precious to you is threatened, you'll be gripped with fear, guaranteed. 
Where do you store your treasure? In the uncertain and the changeable or in the certain and the unchangeable? Unquote. All of our fear and worry makes us ineffective people in the kingdom of God. And as I said before, Satan wants nothing more than you to be going through the motions, only worried about the kingdom of yourself and not the kingdom of God. You see, we make ourselves ineffective. We make ourselves ineffective in this world. The problem with us or with the American church, however you want to say it, is not a secular culture that's imposing itself on us. It's not legislation that's making religious liberty more difficult. No, it's not any of that. We're not losing members and influence because of something being done to us. We're doing it to ourselves. We're more interested in our kingdom and our comfort and our pleasures rather than in the kingdom of God. We're seeking us, not him. And our hope in this life It's not that the economy would keep bouncing back. It's not in our retirement accounts. It's not in any of that. It's in Jesus Christ. And his kingdom going forth and spreading in this world. Why are we worrying so much? Why are we so frustrated? Why why do we find our treasure and our hope here on this earth? When we think our earthly treasures and kingdom is in jeopardy, we worry and we doubt and we're angry. We don't want to trust God. We want to be in control. We want to have the keys. We, we want to pour ourselves into what we want to see happen, not in what he has told us must happen. And we must change our minds about this. We must repent. We must seek God's kingdom. The great evangelist D.L. Moody had a man come up to him one day and, say, and tell him that he was worried that he, he didn't feel saved and what he should do about that. And Moody asked, well, sir, was Noah safe in the ark? The man said, well, certainly he was. He was safe in the ark. Well, what made him safe? Was it his feeling of being safe or was it the ark? How foolish I have been, the man said. It's not my feeling, but it's Christ who saves. That we would have the same response this morning. You're not safe because you got a lot of money. You're not safe because you live in a great house and you're in a great church. You're not safe because you've got great friends or you come from a great family or whatever it is. You're safe because of Christ. You're not taken care of because of anything of you. You're taken care of because Christ has taken care of you. Your salvation is taken care of because of him. Even your basic needs are taken care of because of him. They're from his hand. And once we realize this, the command to seek first his kingdom becomes doable. We have the confidence for it. We have the ability. All because of Christ. I'm not just admonishing you this morning to stop worrying, though I am admonishing you to stop worrying. I'm telling you to stop worrying because Christ has made it to where we don't have to. We can walk joyfully in this world knowing that he loves us, and it frees us up now to be productive members of the kingdom of God. To realize all the people that are moving into downtown Macon and say to ourselves, how are we going to reach them? How are we going to love them? It frees us up this afternoon. You can finally go talk to that neighbor that lives so close to you that you've always meant to, but you haven't because you're afraid. Go share the love of Christ with them even this afternoon. It frees you up to do these things. All the time you used to spend worrying, wasting your time, now you can go and be a part of the advancement of the kingdom of God in this world. And all these other things... They will be added unto you. Trust in Christ. Love him, serve him, and seek the kingdom of God. Let's pray.
Oh, Lord, we confess to you that we, we are a worrisome people. It's something that is constantly on our minds and felt in our hearts. Lord, that we would stop that. We would stop it because we know that you will care for us. We know that you love us. We know that you want us to be active and productive members of the kingdom of God, and we can't be if we're constantly worrying about our lives. Lord, that we would trust you, that you would make us certain of your love and your provision for us each and every day. We thank you for how you love and you provide for us. We pray that you would be pleased by our worship today. Would you send us out from here eager to see the kingdom of God grow in Macon? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.